Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain, thanks for joining That's us. That's right. Glad you're here with us. Uh, as we talk about financial matters. Myself, my co-host, we're both financial advisors, practicing advisors. Actually, I mean, we'd, we might have a handful of clients anymore, but... <laughs> because we've got a lot of other responsibilities in the organization, but we've spent 30-plus years helping people with their financial matters, primarily driven about retirement issues, because for the vast majority of Americans, that is their number one financial uh, goal. And it's not that they necessarily want to retire, while some do, it's they want to be in a position so that retirement's a possibility, work is an option, not an obligation. And the reality is, for most of us, there's going to come a time in our life when you can't work. You can't really work. And maybe the office says, you know, maybe it's best you don't come in anymore. <laughs> I have been asked um, three times in the last month why I'm, I haven't retired. I'm, I turned 60 this year. Three times in the last month, why haven't you retired? And I said— And, and from a financial standpoint, you could. From a financial standpoint. But— uh, and, and by the way, I don't have a nine to five job. There's a lot of flexibility in my schedule. There's a lot of responsibility and there's lots right. of, you know, things that are fall outside the nine to five, like, like flying, flying to Dallas the last three days and meetings and that sort of thing. Well, yes, but you also just, didn't you just go and hang out, hang out with gorillas in Uganda with your family? Rwanda. Rwanda. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit later on about this experience with my daughter was like, I don't know how you get a bucket list when you're 24, but, um, <laughs> which I love her dearly. She wanted to see him and I, we were going, Oh, it was her idea. Yeah. We were, I wanted to go to safari and we're over there and we're like, okay, we'll add this on. But, um, when back to the question of why aren't you retired? And, and, and I, my question is, and for me and do what for me, it was not, it's not a financial it's a it's a life. It's, yeah, re, yeah. So leave this this set of responsibilities to and rewards that and correct of, psychological, financial, social, all those things. Right. Yeah. To what? To what? Ride my bike four days a week. You know, follow Jimmy Buffett around on tour. Whatever people my age are supposed to do, and that I think is why retirement is an individual journey. And I tell you, know what's, um, I, I, I think of how many people that we've worked with over the years that have come to us, they've been in a career in a typically a company. It's no longer rewarding anymore. It's no longer fulfilling. They don't have your flexibility. Right? The flexibility is a, is a they're, big maybe deal. Maybe they're stuck on a plane a lot traveling. I mean, it's like they've got all this stuff and they're burnout and they, they come to us and they say, how many more years until I can afford to retire? Yes, right? How many more years do I have to keep doing this grind? And then the spouse, typically the wife, like, yeah, he's really burnt out on this. Like, huh? And so there's those. But I think of all the people we've also had those conversations, like, well, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And oftentimes there's other career opportunities. And Many people, if you look, the majority of people are working in retirement age. And it's not all because they have to. A lot are doing it because they want to. And we've seen people that's, that their dream was to do something completely different. We build a plan about them going from making $160,000 a year to making $60,000 a year. And, they're and instead of retiring at 59, they're maybe going to retire at 68 or 64 or whatever the number is, right? Um, and just going through that, that transition and it's... Um, it's re retirement is more than just the money. In fact, we, we give a workshop called the art of retirement, which talks about the soft side of retirement because quite frankly, I have seen people that have done it beautifully. I mean, I have a brother-in-law that retired from the state of California and opened a framing business. He has a frame framing for framing, like framing houses, no, out there no, with no, 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 swinging hammers, pictures, he operates oh. his business out of his garage. He has more business than he So he didn't retire. He switched careers. He switched careers. One that gave him flexibility, doing something he enjoys. Social interaction. Probably loves the interaction. Oh, I've go got over, this Listen, if you go painting, to get your picture framed at his house, prepared to spend 
a good hour talking about exactly what you want out of that that picture, right? Because it's a social thing for him. And it's he likes it. He feels like he's productive. I have seen that. And I have seen clients that retire that fall into a bottle. And you it breaks your heart, right? And it excites you when you watch people do it well. And when you see people do it poorly. So this, we'll talk about financial stuff on this show. But if you're approaching that part of your life where you're going to go retire, boy, you better spend some time thinking about what, not, by the way, the trip to Hawaii, yeah, you'll get that out of the way. <laughs> That'll all happen in the first, all the stuff that's and deferred frankly, maintenance around If you don't have house. peace at home, you're not going to have peace in yeah. Maui either, probably. <laughs> my guess. <laughs> okay. Just saying. You mean the location doesn't matter? As my dad said, the problem with it. You've always got to take yourself with you. That's, Wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> that sounds like your dad. All right, anyway, enough of the uh, pontificating. No, 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 but it isn't enough because, uh, well, obviously we're not going to spend too much more time on it, but um, like it, it, doing some doing some research on, I, I'll never forget years ago, a, a client of mine, she's um, CEO of a company with, uh, I don't know, 150, 200 employees. Um, and... Um, no kid, never had kids, so she's not like wanting to spend time with grandkids because they're not there. Maybe she had nieces or nephews, but doesn't have any. Never had any children, and it, she would come in and she'd, we'd always talk about like, well, when can I retire? And like we, and so this is a couple of years ago. I finally I, I said, Jill, I'll just call her Jill, mainly because that's her name. No, I'm kidding. So I said, Jill, um, let's pretend. I said, look, we've gone through the numbers. You've got the financial assets. You could have said, retired a year or two. Let's ago. pretend like. You retired this Friday. You retired this Friday. What do the next months look like for you? We talked for a bit. She sent me an email three days later. She says, your question haunted me. Wow. That's the word she used. Your question haunted me. I realize I have a lot more work to do before I retire. And now she's past the age where she, because we've been working together for 20 years or whatever. She's past the age where she said, she wanted to, was planning on retiring and she works like, and I look at her life. I'm thinking, what would she do if she retired right now? And she's still not retired. No, she's not retired. And I remember talking to her cause she's probably late 60s now. And I remember talking, I said, well, and one of the questions, like you've, you've obviously enjoy leading people. You enjoy watching career development. You're good at figuring out who, what people to put in what roles. Good coach. That's what a good leader is, right? And a CEO of a company that's nice. Like, where are you going to find that after retirement? Yeah, right? So it's not all financial. Not all financial. Anyway, we like, anyway. Anyway, let's, uh, let's this is get a little emotional. Huh? This is get a little emotional. I, I don't, after this little conversation, I don't think I can ever retire. <laughs> Pat took it on personal as he's listening. <laughs> what You're gonna... supposed to be one of the co-hosts here. Like you. <laughs> oh, I was listening to you. <laughs> Now you're convinced. Now you're like, I'm screwed if I retire. Oh, I know. My wife's going to be happy to hear this. <laughs> He's never retiring. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, I mean, we've seen a lot of people retire. And as you said, some do it well. Some do it off. In fact, I have had multiple clients that I have asked to go back to work. <laughs> it had guy. nothing to do with I the money. I think of the guy that went and he, re he rearranged the, the kitchen. <laughs> His wife, his wife, his wife stayed home to raise the kids. Never went back to the workplace. Managed the household for forty plus years or whatever. He retires. The first two weeks, he starts reorganizing the kitchen where he, it makes more sense. Was he an engineer? Yes, yeah, so I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to stay married long if you continue that stuff, up. buddy. All right, let's uh, let's head back to the calls here because love taking your calls and questions regarding uh, financial matters. Eight three three. 99 worth is the number to join our program again 833-99 worth we are talking with john john you're with all worth money matters hello gentlemen thank you for taking my call hi john thanks for waiting by the way appreciate it no it's my pleasure i enjoy listening to your show especially when i'm on hold it seems like it's a little bit more fun no. <laughs> oh, a little bit more fun otherwise it's pretty dang dry and boring but you struggled. Oh, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. You did. So that's all right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Just what, kidding. I love you. So huge fan. Okay. Uh, what, what can we do for you, John? You sound awfully um, young, by the way. Uh, I like to think I am. My son thinks differently, but hey, I'm actually I'm 42 years old. Okay. Um, 
I recently started about a year ago, started a job with a pension. Um, I make about 33.5 a year and I have $15,000 saved. And I, um, I just recently opened a Roth IRA. And after I did, I started second guessing myself because when, as I was reading up on it before, it kind of made sense to pay taxes on it now. But I figured the day before retirement, I'm no doubt going to make a substantial amount more as far as salary. But the day after retirement, does that all of that money that I'll have in my pension and my Roth and my bank account might be, would it be too much? Where I'm not sure which, which would be better. A Roth oh, or a- okay. So you said your income is $33,500 a year, correct? Yes. I just started this. Uh, I'll be up and over that hopefully in no time. Okay. And does your spouse work outside of the home? She does. And how much is her income? About seventy. Okay, so one hundred and three thousand for the family, and you mentioned your at least one child. How many children do you have? Just the one, and he's out of the home. He is. So yeah. he's no longer, you know, like my dad said. The only thing you'll ever be to me is a tax deduction. <laughs> he is no longer the tax deduction. <laughs> my dad never said that. <laughs> he's a general every once in a while. That's a financial planning joke. <laughs> That's a financial. <laughs> <laughs> and a bad one at yeah. that. Um, no question, you should do Roth right now. Without a, with, you're young. You you stated that you think your income is going to go up substantially. Correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So don't worry about what you're going to do next year or the year after the year after that. That's right. Right. right? Because you might call the show in three years and say my income for the family is 180 thousand. And we may give you completely different advice than what your income is driving the decision-making today. And the reality is, if you get to retirement, when you get to retirement, you like as many different buckets as you can, right? You want the Roth bucket, which is tax-free income. You want the taxable bucket. You want... You mean you like an account where it's already been taxed, it's a... Maybe you've got some mutual funds or stocks that have appreciated what's going to be treated differently for tax purposes. Under current tax law, right? So you have a brokerage. And then you have some IRA account that, that is fully taxed. And then when the distribution of all those monies comes out, you you've got pl- flexibility. You've got a ton of flexibility, right? Okay, a ton. Great. But when you're in a, in a – if you're in a – the way the tax structure works, it's very graduated, very progressive. Some income's not taxed at all. Some little bits taxed at ten percent. Then we've got a twelve percent tax bracket. Then it jumps from twelve to twenty-two percent. Then it goes as high as thirty-seven percent. And if your income goes higher, it can go add on some other taxes on top of that. So and depending go, upon the state you're in, it normally yeah. has the same graduation. But you're right at the point where you're still in a twelve percent tax bracket, barely. Um, but you are. So I would much rather say, why? I mean. Why take a tax deduction at 12% when there's a good chance you'll be in a 22% tax bracket in the future? Now, next year, 2023 or 2024, your income might be higher, and it might be to the point where now you're in a higher tax bracket, and you think, why don't we switch back to a, a, tra- a traditional? But you may say, hey, I'm actually doing so well in my career that I think I'm going to end up making $150,000, and you'll make that decision then. Right, either to do the Roth yeah. or to not do the Roth. So what, the reason you're doing this is because you you're at pretty much the lowest tax bracket. Well, there's lower, but you're at a low tax bracket, and we expect you to be in a higher tax bracket in the future. Don't worry about what you're going to do next year or the year after. You'll make that decision then. Gotcha. Yeah, and and you should and you should be as is with this pension. You should be as aggressive as possible. Even without it, you're 42 years old. With point. the pension or with the with, with the, your, uh, like any the of your investments in your four hundred one k IRAs Roth any retirement investments you've got twenty plus years before you start taking distributions. Yeah. So you want to go as aggressive. And as when you, you say can. aggressive, it doesn't mean let's. I'm going to speculate on one little thing. Or it means you want to Bitcoin. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, you do Bitcoin. You won't worry. You have to worry about what you're I mean, paying taxes on this um, <laughs> the way out. No, you want to. You want 100% equity in your portfolio. Well diversified portfolio. 100% equity, uh, and let her let her go. Just let it go. Yep. So the S and P. I hear you speak about the S and P a lot. Should I go ahead? I would. And if, look, you're my right? you're my younger brother. I say, uh, John, use the total stock market index. That's right. Make it simple when you, 
I mean, you've got 50000 or so saved up. You can maybe do... But it's not... Keep it simple. Just go buy the VTI. VTI. Well, if he's contributing on a monthly basis, it might actually be easier just to use the uh, mutual fund. Vanguard or whatever. Right. I don't excellent care what, point. What, what fund it is. Total stock market. Anyway. You're excellent point, Scott, because of the... Uh, I was looking the, at the iShares, the ITOP through iShares. And it, look, that to was, me, it's irrelevant. If, if you're by the total stock market index, I don't care if it's iShares... State Street, Vanguard, Schwab, Fidelity. I mean, the, the, as long as they're, they're all the low-cost options, it's all... Yeah, but Scott's and point I'm not, was... I'm not promoting any of those, nor am I stating anything negative but, about But Scott's that. point was, I mentioned an ETF, and Scott's point was the transaction costs may, might put a drag on it. It just might be simpler. You don't oh. have to set up an periodic investment. It, it might be simpler having it in a mutual fund. You can always move it to a. ETF I'm going to go later. with Scott on this. So forget the VTI. Just buy the total market. Get a low cost one mutual. Or fund. if you use the iShare and they set it up so you can set up a monthly basis, do it that way. But yeah, but Roth total market. Yeah. All righty. Okay. And real quick, if you don't, if you do have the time, I got a couple quick ones for you. You got um, me before I hit have, the button. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> should I have multiple IRAs? No. Or just stay with the one with the pension. The oh, one with the pension. Oh, oh no! So you? Well, not, I mean, separately, of course. Stay with the pension and one IRA for now. Or yeah, 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 yeah. I think one. You could have a, a, a variety of investments inside one account, inside one IRA. So okay. Um, odds are, I mean, does your company offer a four hundred one k? No, it's a district, a special district in California. They have a four fifty seven. So I mean, it, you could contribute. You might find yourself in the future. Contributing to that 457 plan and your Roth IRA, you might switch. Well, once you once you want to have some traditional money, you're going to want to use the 457 rather than the IRA. traditional IRA. So, you, so right now, you is your wife employer? You won't a, get the deduction for the IRA. Your income would be too high. Is your right now? Is your wife uh, have a 401k or 457? Uh, yes, yeah, she does. She has a 401k. She it started her company offered about three years ago. Okay, and, and she's. She's actually she's she's ten years younger than I am, mm-hmm. so she's got a lot longer for that to build. Yeah, use the Roth option on the her four hundred one k. So everything you do needs to be the Roth option for this year. For this year, based for upon your year. income this year, which could change. A recommendation could be different in twenty twenty three. Alrighty. Okay, one more. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, my my regular savings account. Uh, the, what I have it in now is just um. Uh, an online mm-hmm. savings account. It's only about one and a half percent interest. Um, through I think it's through it's Marcus. It's Goldman Sachs yep. thing. Is that the best way to just have my regular savings? Is somewhere like that? So how much money is in the account? Um, right about six thousand. Okay. So you, if you go to Marcus, there's two accounts, right? There's a money market account, and then there's a savings account. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's a difference of two tenths or three tenths of a percent between the two. You could put it in the highest yielding For, one. Uh, the the diff- differential on six thousand dollars is not going to be. I'm answering the question. Cover, it's not won't cover your time taking and making any changes on it. I'm just. Your point's well taken. You're, I wouldn't. De minimis. Yeah, it's, it's beyond the, de minimis. Yeah, yeah, but for the rest of the listeners, if you have an online savings account, there's normally two components. And one is a complete liquid account. One actually will be a money market, or they might call it a savings account. One typically pays a little bit higher than the other. Keep it in the highest yielding one. When you need to get to that cash, you actually go online, transfer it to the other account, and take the withdrawal. That's how it works. I don't know if for six thousand dollars if I'd go through that exercise. You know, okay. Just skip a I mean, cup of coffee. If you run the number, skip yeah. a cup of coffee this year, and you'll get to the same place. Get the tall instead of the vente. <laughs> there we go. All right, John. Appreciate it, John. Much you appreciate it, gentlemen. Right. Thank you very much, and keep up the good work. Thanks, oh, thank sir. you. You know, it's interesting as we were talking, Pat, when you were just talking about how this is the this is the decision this year. Next year might be different, and financial planning is a very fluid pr- process. So it's really built upon. The information we know today, given the financial markets where they are today, given your goals, your life, all these things that we're accomplishing today, this is what we should be doing right now. Yes. But next year, that could be different. And the year after, that could be different. And I, so maybe I, did I hear, maybe it was one of those promotional financial shows that was talking about a written financial plan, a written financial plan. And we used to print out big financial plans. 
now now they're now they're all done and it's left on it, digitally, right? And they're fluid, it's so in real it's time. it's there. You can it's we don't if you want to print it out, we can print it out. But I mean, but by the time the financial plan is done, it's it may be it's out there. of date. You can click on it anytime and look at it. But the nice thing about it is you you can update it as things are going on in your life, some other changes happening or whatnot. You can make some changes. Someone at the gym this morning said to me. Well, my husband's thinking of retiring, but our financial plan said we can't retire for another three years. And I said, well, when was the last time you updated your financial plan? She said, I don't know, four or five years ago. He said, well. <laughs> that why, was this morning, literally? Yeah. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you get your financial advisor to redo the financial plan to see what it would look like if you retired today? Yeah. My guess is their salaries haven't been exactly the same those last four or five years. Their spending probably hasn't been exactly the same those four. Things change. Who knows their age of their kids and what's happened there and what cash they need or didn't didn't need during those times. Et yeah, et things change. Things change. Hey, uh, Scott, we always talk about, you know, the fad, the, the, the you know, the investment fad of du jour, investment fad du jour, right? And we've seen this thing with cryptocurrencies and the Bitcoin and my gosh, this. Someone asked me the other day, what was the strangest thing? What was the strangest investment that was you thought someone pitched you? I, I, I'll tell you what mine was. What was yours? Um, a client came into the office and um, had invested money in pay phones. That, um, that was the answer I thought of when I thought this. <laughs> Did you? Along, it was when pay phones were already in their decline. Yes, yes. And, um, and uh, that's funny. That member, that stuck with me. And I started thinking about more about it. I thought, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy. Yeah, I mean, half the population had the cell Iraq, phones. Iraqi currency. Was oh, the dinar. Oh, I forgot about the dinar. I thought about my Uber driver asking me what he should do with his money once he gets it out of the dinar. I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait let's let's wait till you get the money. And before. he wasn't Iraqi uh, who had immigrated here, who had some money in an account. No, right now. <laughs> it was someone who responded to some email. Some fishing yes, expedition. Yes, yes. But um, strangest was this phone, these phones. And, you know, as I asked him, as he told me he invested in it, I said, where's your cell phone? And he's like, right here. And I'm like, okay, let's think about it. We, we ended up chasing it down. It was a scam. Uh, but this one is not a scam. It's called the, the Night Effect. And this was an exchange. Night? K-N-I-N-I-G. Like nighttime. Like nighttime. Not like a British night. And this was... A company called Nightshares launched an exchange-traded fund in June that mimics the S&P 500's nocturnal return. Nocturnal. Return. I didn't know it slept. I just, I found this really curious. <laughs> and the ticker symbol is NSPI, which is nocturnal S&P 500. So the ticker symbol, ah, one of the ticker yeah. symbols for the S&P 500 can be and is the S&P uh, SPI for the S&P 500. So their theory was this. This is their theory. The night effect essentially puts forth this theory that most of the returns in the U.S. stock market returns are when the markets are closed. What? This is the theory. And they said, as stocks tend to open higher the next day and dividends are also paid after the close. So their theory is, look, it closes at a dollar and it opens at a buck yeah, 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so you should actually buy it at the close and okay. sell it minutes after the open. So this bespoke investment group, man, they have put some real names <laughs> into it. Bespoke investment group. Not the ordinary investment group, the bespoke investment group. They, they're like, this is an almost unbelievable phenomenon. We don't understand why anyone has, has done this. So they calculated the owning the S&P index since 1993 would have earned you 600% when the markets were closed between 4 p.m. Eastern <laughs> and 9.30 a.m. the next trading day. So they put this thing together in May and they launch it. How much money has been raised? Uh, it actually, this article didn't say, but here is the returns to date on their numbers since launch. 
Their return has been negative 2.2% through close of uh, market Wednesday. And what was the market up during that time? 10.2. Negative 2 to 10.2. 12% differential. On this new thesis. Stay away from the bright and shiny new ideas. I... It's an ETF for it. Come on. <laughs> I put a financial product on that piece of garbage. <laughs> when the ducks quack, feed them. That's an old saying on Wall Street. Yes. We're not on Wall Street, by the way. So uh, We're taking a short break. Stick around for more All Worth Money Matters. We'll be right back. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Thanks for uh, sticking with us through the second half of this exciting, exciting show. Is that right? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. If I say it, does it make it so? No. (laughs) You get excited about it. I know. Well, you 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 judge, and if you judge well, go to the wherever you're listening to this podcast. Judge is favorably. I mean, they could judge well and okay find the show unfavorable, remedial, (laughs) too much off topic. (laughs) I've been accused of those things. Boring. I don't know if I've been like substance, yeah. but if egotistical, oh, bourgeois, no, no question, no, no question. Um, actually, there are degrees. I had this conversation with someone the other day about business owners, and they're like, she was telling me, well, this guy's got a big ego, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she was telling me about someone else that ran a successful business, and she said, he, she said he's got a really big ego, and I said. Yeah, uh, that of his ego. Like, there's a confidence. Le- there's a leader in our organization. She was telling me this story. She's I don't know, fifty-ish or something, uh, senior leader. And she tells the story that she grew up on a farm. Her family did not want her to go to college. Her dad did not want her to go to college because she's supposed to stay on the farm or whatever. So when she went to college, she took the Greyhound bus from her farm town. To her college town. No mom and dad driving, dropping off, no, crying, no tears, no, none of that stuff. No, let's go down to Target and getting the stuff for the dorm room and all that other things that happened, right? None of that. She gets dropped off at the Greyhound bus depot. It's two miles to her college dorm room. No Uber, no taxi. She has three bags and realizes she cannot carry all three bags. She's going to have to leave one bag behind. I know this isn't Sophie's choice, right? Okay. But still, you put it like an 18-year-old woman with that kind of gumption, like so she decided which third of her life safe, life possession she's going to leave behind, trenches through, goes to school, finishes school, builds a nice career for herself. I mean, so is she? does she have a big ego? She's got ego. <laughs> does, she probably has more confidence in herself than ego, right? Yes. So, not afraid of much. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not and afraid what, of much. That's what. Yeah, that's what you like. So, I don't know where we started with this. So people like. I don't when, know. We, just, we can use the word ego. Look, well, this, it's because we have a. We're about to bring on a behavioral decision making. Yeah, professor a, expert. That is that is who is one who helps people go through their future self. Well, no, we started with the conversation. If you like this show, <laughs> give us a review. <laughs> okay. That's a circle back. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Right. Circle back. If you like the show, please go to wherever you listen to the show and give us a review. Yeah. And if you if you don't like the show, I'd prefer you not leave a review. Yeah. And don't why are you listening? <laughs> That's a good point. How many podcasts are there today? Like we're everyone like, we're not like one of four. There are thousands of podcasts. If you don't like ours. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. I heard of advertising. Now there's companies that will help you do your own podcast. I don't know how you're going to make any money, but uh, well, anyway. Someone will. But yeah. let's go to yeah. our guest. Hal Hirschfield. Though, so we had Hal on a few months back. I don't remember when it was. But Hal's professor of marketing and behavioral decision-making at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. And um, we enjoyed him last time. And so we thought we'd ask him to come on again. So Hal, welcome to All Worth Money Matters. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So last time we, we talked about how you... 
people make poor choices in the short term. And if they could identify their future self, go through kind of a journey of that, they'll make better choices today. Is that kind of some, is that right at all? Yeah, that's right. You, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, basically part of the problem is that we have a hard time sort of uh, empathizing with and identifying with uh, you know, who will be down the road. And if we can do a little more of that, it might, it might help us put the brakes on some of the decisions we make right now that we end up regretting uh, later on. Yeah. So um, even in like kind of the, what kind of poor decisions have, have people make in this la- in the last several months in this current? <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> That's okay. The behavior psychologist starts laughing. We ask a serious question. I hope my count like I was talking to my counselor and she's brushed up laughing when I tell her something. Well, you know, I got to remember, Scott. He's only got a PhD uh, from Stanford University. So, uh, you know, I mean, but this is a, a part of the reason I laugh is because you know, of course, on the one hand, you could say. Where do I start? On the other hand, I mean, we can we can forgive people, right? Like, I, I mean, could there be more more of a sense of uncertainty around the decisions that we make, right? And so, you know, from from my perspective, um, it's it's difficult to say, you know, like, well, here's the number one, you know, uh, poor decision that people have made, right? But I think, you know, one one of the ones that we come back to, and it's nothing new, is the you know, the, the sort of emotionally driven decisions that happen when the market starts to get really volatile. And, um, you know, I, I talked to a journalist a couple of months ago who said, you know, I've written this same article 20 times <laughs> in my career. And it's the same. It's always the same thing. When the market starts to get shaked up and, and volatile, you know, before you start pulling your money out, before you start making any rash decisions, and then you, you can probably fill in the rest there, right? But this is this is where one of the sort of big, um, big issues arises, I think, is that sort of reaction to volatility. It's interesting, Al, because we've both been doing this three plus decades. And like, when, mm-hmm. so we've seen a lot of downturns, but it's, 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 it's the same five or 10% of clients that panic and call. Like it's, you like, right. like our advisors know which ones are going to be freaking out. And like part of our role is, is keeping people from making mistakes from which they cannot overcome. So how that's I have right. a I have a question for you that's a little bit off topic. Does someone's That's weird. Does, has so does someone's <laughs> po- how, how much does someone's political belief uh, hmm. sway their their well you know this any time that there's a change from Republican R to D in the president there is a the group next day of, people call and and like, I want we, out I we, want it, like whatever I got to get out I got to get in. How much does that right. Uh, how, what 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 do you think that is a driver in how people emotionally view their investments? Whether there's you know if I'm R and R's in, the Republicans are you know, controlling the situation. I obviously feel better. How much is is that a big factor? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm less familiar with work that's been done on say- the link between political, you know, political beliefs in those investments, but I, I would say it's, it's actually a proxy for something else, right? Which is just confidence, confidence in the market and confidence in the, the direction that things are going in, right? And, um, yeah. you know, one of the things we know from the, from the research out there is that I'm more likely to, you know, to make slightly riskier investments if I think that uh, the markets are going to continue to do well um, and, uh, and that I can somehow, you know, control it. Right. But if I, if I feel as if I've been, um, I'm coming off of a period of volatility or, or things seem less certain, um, you know, then I, then I may be more willing to go into a, uh, you know, a, a less riskier investment called, you know, called an index fund or even having, you know, more passive management. Right. So my, my guess is, and I, this is just speculation, right. But my guess is that, that sort of political affiliation is going to be a, you know, like almost like a proxy for confidence uh, in the way things are going based on whether, you know, my party's in, in power or not. That makes perfect sense to me that uh, I have never heard it. it, it, So it, it's like we're in charge. So we're going to make better decisions for my portfolio over the long term, or at least Mm -hmm. the short term than Mm -hmm. the other party. Um, because right. obviously my party's the best party and your party's not, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And whether that, this also depends on your 
belief that the you know that the government can do anything right uh, depending on who's in power but that's, that's maybe right. a separate or <laughs> if what they do is it actually positive or negative right i mean um Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. <laughs> why is it that people have this tendency that they need to be doing something? And uh, even as advisors, like I'll be totally transparent. There are times over the years that I've made minor tweaks to a portfolio that really haven't changed anything. And I've only done it. It's almost a placebo effect. I've done it because they feel they felt they needed to do something. I placated their desires still continue with their portfolio. What, but what, what is it about us that makes us feel like we have to do something? Listen, you, you brought up the term, so I'll, I'll, I'll riff off of that. You know, uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the, the medication Obicalp that some doctors prescribe to patients, um, but it's a medication that's um, quite effective at, at solving a, a variety of, of ailments, many of which may not really have any uh, root causes. And if you if you spell that prescription backwards, you'll you'll know Obicalp is is just placebo. <laughs> <laughs> but doctors will write a prescription for it. Uh, why do they do, do it? Do they because, really? I mean, in all seriousness. Oh yeah, no, this, this last this, week, oh, this some doctor real- in the United States wrote this prescription. And what's it spelled backwards? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, Obicalp, <laughs> placebo. <laughs> and this is a real thing, and. You know the the thinking there, of course, is it gives somebody a sense of agency uh, and a sense of control uh, over their situation, right? I think it's you know both in the medical space and the financial space, um, it's it's uh, fear inducing. It's scary to think that I you know things are happening without my control and I have nothing I can do about it. But like you said, sometimes you give people some action they can do because it just feels like they're taking care of something. Now we have a you know we fundamentally have uh, a motivation to have agency, to have control yes. over our environments, right? And, um, you know, I think this this rears its, I'm sorry, the dogs are in the background, this rears its head, especially when our contexts are more uncertain and more volatile. In fact, you know, there's some research showing that people, you know, are more likely to try to see patterns and sort of force patterns on, on random you know, random stimuli when they're facing uncertainty, when they're lacking control, because it's really scary to have, you know, a feeling that we can't impact our environments. Is that why you, is that why we saw the response that we did to COVID, do you think? Because, I mean. Yeah, when you say the response to COVID, which response? Well, <laughs> which okay, response Maybe, you know what? I don't want to go. Yeah. That's like a third rail. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, no, no. As time goes on, it'll be less of a third rail. But I think it's a bit. No, of a third no. Rail. There, there was yeah. a there was yeah. an emotional response in the marketplaces to it based on there was the, an emotional uh, response yeah. okay. with, with anyway with a lot of it anyway. So I had a question about. Social media, and this this was fascinating. So we saw the meme stocks actually bring down. Was it the the hedge fund Citadel? Did they bring down one yeah. of the big hedge? Was right. it Citadel? Um, I think that sounds right. Yeah. But uh, I, and I and, and, and if I if I misspoke, it it was one of the big hedge funds lost billions and billions of dollars overnight. And this had to do with you know the social media. How much do you think, like this Bitcoin, the, the, the what's happening? Um, how, how social media is affecting investments as a whole? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, it's actually one that I'm, I'm starting to investigate now with two collaborators um, because our suspicion is that part of what social media is doing is it's, it's almost like injecting the experience of FOMO with steroids, right? You know, FOMO, yeah, fear yep. of missing out. Um, and you know, of course, this has always been an emotion that's prevalent in investing, right? You know, when, you know, if I were to go to the deli and, and have my butcher tell me about some, you know, stock I don't want to miss out on, that's, that, you know, that's my, my, my desire to then go call my broker and invest in it. This is, you know, old school. That's driven by FOMO, right? I don't want to miss out on something sort of rocket shipping up and, you know, and uh, me not being on that ride. But, my suspicion that social media is that now you're seeing it, you know, whether it's on Reddit or Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be. Uh, now I'm seeing it play out uh, in a much greater magnitude. And I can see just how many people have gotten in on this investment. Now, the irony, of course, 
is that by the time some investment that's done well has made it to social media, and I see more and pe- more people talking about it, it, it may ironically be too late. <laughs> of course, <laughs> to get yeah. in on that, right? And, and, and uh, anecdotally, I mean, when my seventy-eight-year-old client comes into the office to review the portfolio and says, "Hey, Pat, I think I should buy some Bitcoin." That didn't come from the butcher down the street. That came from social right. media, right? I mean, of course, of course. It, it, what yeah. whether kids or news? All right. Yeah. I do find I, one thing I find I, ironic, and I remember saying this back when the dot com thing blew apart. We're in an a, information age where <laughs> you can get yep. anything you want, right, twenty four seven at the tip of, and yet it hasn't. It doesn't seem to make us any 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 more wise, like. Volatility, two of the worst downturns in the stock market since the Great Depression occurred in the last 20 years, the age of the information right. age. Right. Yep. I, I find an, yeah. I, there's irony there. There's so much irony because you think, in fact, part of what the, you know, this prevalence of information is doing is democratizing investing. And it's increasing so much transparency between consumers and firms. And made investing available to consumers who otherwise would have been left out. And yet at the same time, like you said, <laughs> we've got two of the worst downturns. And I mean, there's to, to be able to say, Oh, it's because of this one thing would of course be a, a you know, yes. an oversimplification, but I'm sure part of what's happening there, right. Is that you're getting more and more people into the market because they fear that they may be missing out when in fact they may have been better served Going with the last week, and that's probably—I mean—that is what we just saw with crypto, right? Let's, let's assuming Absolutely. assuming that these companies in, that are now in bankrupt are going to somehow—they don't reemerge. Yep. And <laughs> let's assume yep. that the party that happened is probably not going to return. So, uh, yep. most the, right. most of the people got in late, never had the re- any positive returns, and have just suffered losses. Whether that's it's right. through these that's right. digital banks, so-called banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's. I, I think you're right. So let's move off this investing for a minute because there's a difference between investing and savings, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You, savings is taking part of your money and putting it away for the future, and what you do with that, be it a bank account or a well diversified for, for portfolio or uh, whatever speculative or non speculative investment. What causes certain people to be better at savings? I see. It, I come from a family of five, and kids and we all have a you know we grew up in the same place with the same parents and the same education <laughs> yeah, yeah. you've got Mostly. four adult children that are all different um yes 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 so what yeah. wh- wh- why what if we all come from the same environment what is the why are some to have a different view of you know savings or their future self than others right now this is i think this is a great question because you know as you said it's not like well, you, you have the same household, right? So you've, you've almost got the nurture component checked off the box there. It's all the same. But then, you know, I think this is, this is partly where you see that interaction between, you know, the, the classic case of nature and nurture, where how I grew up uh, may be constant across, you know, kids in a family. But, you know, my own sort of individual uh, makeup may be different. Um, but you know, let me just add one thing to that, though, because I, I'm, I'm not sure it's so clear cut that just because I grew up in the same household, I have the same, you know, exposure to savings because it may be that my parents are the same and my, you know, generationally speaking, I've saw their habits. Um, But, you know, depending on a variety of factors, my experience with money early on may be different from my siblings experience. Um, You know, when I was sort of in my formative ages, uh, for, you know, when I was growing up and seeing how my parents spent money, their finances may have been different. The market may have been different than my older sibling or my younger sibling, right? And we actually know from some research that, um, <laughs> that you know, the, the way that we, you know, uh, our, our childhood experiences with money do actually have an impact on the way that we save and the way that we spend and, and how, you know, even how impulsive we are with spending later on. Um but that these differences actually tend to really emerge when, you know, the waters get choppy, when we're in context later on in our adult years where we're somehow constrained, you know, be it on some sort of macroeconomic level or micro. And so in other words, those earlier childhood experiences 
tend to really impact us um, when things are more unstable, more uncertain uh, when we're when we're older. Got it. Got it. That you know, it's interesting. We it's they're in the minority, but we have clients that have so much money we cannot get them to spend it. Um, you, <laughs> yep, and we right. like to joke and be that's right. We, our favorite kind of clients, right? Because all they do is put in money, and never take it. Out. I, I mean, I have clients that I I insist on. <laughs> we I'm joke, go- but it's that's. Yeah. I'm going to send you this much money a month, and you cannot return right. it to me. Um, yep. Trying to force this, and what I realize is over the years is I'm making them uncomfortable, and now I don't even try that much anymore. I'm like, just take out whatever you want. So these things are yep. ingrained, right? For years and years and years and years, you can't change it, or can you? No, I think that's, I think that's, you know, there's a couple of things there. So one is, sure, those things are ingrained. Um, you know, like so many of our other experiences, the way that we've sort of, you know, we, we build habits of sorts, right? I think that's the better way, you know, and it's, and it's particularly tough when you, you've developed a habit of saving and you're saving and saving and saving. And then all of a sudden you're trying to get somebody to say, let's shift years now, especially when you're in your seventies and eighties and start spending. That's a, that is a tricky yes. thing, right? Um, I I would say though that um, my mother my the, mother's eighty three and she still saves. But there you go. I mean, I think that's a great every you know, month she saves. Example, right? And my my you She's know eighty three. My my grandmother who's ninety almost ninety nine. You know she she saves the little butter pats from restaurants and puts them in the freezer. <laughs> you know so that she, she remembers from the war. <laughs> she remembers the butter exactly. rations you might come know. back. <laughs> I'm guessing you don't have you toast know. at her house. <laughs> no, exactly not. That's like, uh, Grandma, I'll pass on the toast. So tell us. <laughs> that's funny. Well, well I, you know, and I, I was going to say, if you think about solutions there, uh, one one thought that I've I've been, you know, considering over the years is, you know, saving oftentimes is really abstract. Uh, we're, sa- you know, you're saving for the future. You're saving for a rainy day. There's no, there's no specific sort of, um, Sometimes we have specific focus, you know, for, for, for saving, especially in a short or medium term goal. You know, we want to save up for a mortgage, et cetera. But oftentimes, especially when you get into these habits of saving, it's you're saving for the sake of saving. Um, and, you know, I, I do wonder, especially with those clients who, whose perspective you want to shift, if it makes some sense to start reframing their interactions with money in more sort of specific value based ways. So, you know, not here's money to spend, but like, let's think like a little bit more deeply on how we're going to spend that money. Right. Is it, is it on the grandkids, great grandkids? Is it on, um, you know, causes that are, that are close to, to their heart, right? These sorts of things. And that, that sometimes shifts it from, I just need to pile up this money to have it. So like, how? you know, I need to start spending this. How it is. I have it specifically think of this client who was saying to me that she's not seeing her grandchildren enough. And I said, you want to see them all in one place? And she said, yes. And I said, you're going to rent a house in Hawaii for a week. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Every one of them is going to show up. And she does it love every it. year now. <laughs> yeah. In some place I different in the that, country. Yeah. Right. And it's I like, love that. That's and a, she probably had all the money cause she was always concerned about the future and correct. And I'm savior. like, now the experience yep. is more important than the money. So before you go, tell us about two little bits of research that you're, or one bit of research that, that you're working on that you're excited about that you're excited about. Oh, that's a great question. All right. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, okay. So, uh, I'm doing some stuff right now. Um, trying to better understand why, uh, more retirees don't, don't purchase annuities. Um, and you know, when it makes sense for them to do that. Yeah. And, um, and you know, we're, we're, we're not, we we don't have the answers yet. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited at the, the process of understanding, you know, why certain consumers bristle at annuities and why, uh, why some of them don't and, uh, and how, you know, for the consumers for whom it makes sense to buy those, you know, how can you help them overcome some of those barriers? So I'd say that's one of the ones I'm excited about. Yeah. Although I recognize that, you know, if you say annuities to people when they ask you what you're excited about, it doesn't make you sound like a very exciting person. Well, here, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> nor is the person who says, yeah, 
What, 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 what he's super excited about, oh, I'm studying annuity yeah, purchasing and, behaviors. And, and look, and, 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 and you're going to get invited to all kinds of cocktail and, parties. And, 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 and doctor, I mean, there, there are, the, look, we have a view of annuities that is neither negative or positive. The problem is that they're, the, so mis-sold. they're so missold yeah. and there's so many different yeah. kinds that the average consumer that's can't right. tell the difference between good and bad. That's right. right? Well, no, hey, that's we, one of the big things. Yeah. Hal, we so much appreciate that, yeah. we appreciate you being on. And uh, if people want to learn more about the work you're doing, they find you how? Yeah, you can go to my website, halhurstfield.com. Perfect. Um, but guys, I really appreciate you having me. Thanks. Thanks. It's, it's, always always, fun. Uh, yeah. it's always a pleasure. Yeah, appreciate it, Hal. And unfortunately, Pat, we are almost out of time here at the, uh, with the program. Uh, hey, I want to remind people that we've got uh, Social Security Workshops, Five Steps to Managing Your Social Security. Uh, August 24th, 25th, and 27th in Sacramento. August 25th and 27th in Cincinnati. August 25th and 27th in Denver. So essentially this coming week, Sacramento, Cincinnati, and Denver, there are live workshops where we're talking about uh, Social Security. It's really designed, this workshop's designed, if you've saved pretty well, you got half a million or more saved for retirement, you're within five years of retirement, um, there's, there's, it makes sense for you to go to. There's no cost for it. Uh, to sign up for it, 855-918-2181. Again, 855-918-2181 or allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshop. And unfortunately, Pat, we're getting close on the time here because um, you said you were going to talk about. Your, oh, your- Rwanda. Uh, my family and I went to Rwanda, hiked in <laughs> to sit with the gorillas a family of 29 gorillas one day and 19 the other, uh, three wow. feet away. Uh, life uh, experience, uh, energy in versus output, uh, don't do it. Um, what do you mean? It was hard to get there. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was a life experience. Um, it was hard to get there. It took many days. It cost some money. I was just trying to picture Pat sitting patiently, quietly for hours waiting for the gorillas. They, I've never seen you sit more than three minutes for anything. Anyway, uh, go to go to the zoo. Pretend there's no glass. You'll get 90% right. of the experience. Enjoy. Thanks for joining Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.